A science story, huh? It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Amanda Stockton. It was recorded in March 2016 at the Atlanta Shakespeare Tavern in Atlanta, Georgia, as part of the Atlanta Science Festival. Well, I grew up on a cattle ranch in Oklahoma. Um, People like to ask me, where was it? What was the town we were close to? And... I don't honestly like to tell them because it was Slaughterville. Um, But it was named after Joe Slaughter, who kept the town alive through the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl. Um, Now to call it a a town might be a little bit liberal. We didn't have a post office or a school or a fire department or anything like that. For those things, you had to go over to Noble or Lexington. One time, PETA came down to try to get us to change our name from Slaughterville to Veggieville. (laughs) Five generations of the Slaughter family showed up. We're still called Slaughterville. Now, the land is so flat there, there aren't very many trees. And that makes the sky so big. I think there's a reason why you get such a high astronaut per capita ratio in Oklahoma. You get this beautiful view of the Milky Way at night. And honestly, with the tornadoes this time of year, you spend a lot of time looking up. Now, I was like most kids in Oklahoma, and I wanted to be an astronaut when I grew up. Um, I had this little jetpack that I put on. I think it was supposed to be a Ghostbusters backpack. (laughs) But for me, it was my jetpack whenever I was racing around the pasture playing space cowboys and aliens. Um, My mama, she would wrap my uh, snacks, my sandwiches and my cookies in aluminum foil so I'd have space rations whenever I was going on my journeys. Um, she'd send me off, bye-bye, big girl, you have a big nose. No, mama, you have a big nose. <laughs> um, and, and I'd go off to my, uh, my multi-story treehouse that my dad had built me. It was the best spaceship ever. It had mulberry snacks on every branch in the summer. Um, and you know, my parents, they were really the best parents for kids like my brother and I. They encouraged us at every turn. They took us to the library so we could check out books and read about everything that we were interested in, which was pretty much everything. Um, Sometimes they'd let us stay up late so I could watch Star Trek with my dad. And I'd lay there with a book under my chin, watching the original crew of the Enterprise seek out new life and new civilizations, and you know, Kirk could kiss all the ladies, and I had the biggest crush on Scotty. (laughs) That might be why I decided I was gonna be an engineer. And I learned about Mars, and I wanted to go there and see if there was life there and, and study it. Uh, we didn't have a good idea how I was going to get to be an engineer studying life on Mars. Um, both of my parents had a little bit of college. My dad even had an associate's degree. We thought it might be cool if I could go to the community college for a couple years, and if my grades were good, I could transfer to the state college and maybe even get a bachelor's degree. Now, that all changed when I got this writing assignment in my seventh grade English class. Mrs. Wheeler-Oakey, I think, had only taught college before us, 
So we were a bit of an experiment for her. This writing assignment came in the form of an invitation from the future. In 10 years' time, one of our classmates made it big and invited us all out to this cruise. And so we were supposed to write a letter to one of our classmates explaining, you know, all of our life up until then, what our job was, where we lived, um, where we went to college. We even had to convert to a new religion, because the point wasn't to fantasize about the future, but to write a research paper in, you know, a fun way. But I took it as an opportunity to plan out the rest of my life. Um, I found this article in the Scientific American about Jennifer Harris, who is the lead systems integration engineer on the Pathfinder missions. She had gone to MIT, majored in aerospace engineering, worked at JPL, and sent stuff to Mars. Great. That's my plan. If she can do it, I can do it. Didn't even occur to me that it might be slightly more challenging than just deciding. Um, so in my report, I had already been to Mars and back by then, you know, uh, I had developed this cool new propulsion technology and only gave it to NASA if they let me be the first person on Mars. Hey, my fantasy, I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> so now I had my life plan, right? Four easy steps. Go to MIT, major in aerospace engineering, work for JPL, send stuff to Mars. That first step, going to MIT, I could start on that right now as a seventh grader. All I have to do is study really hard and take all the math and science that I can find. My parents got me a trigonometry book, and I worked my way through that in the evenings. Um, tested out a trig that way. Then I tested out a science, English, social studies. By the time I was in 10th grade, I was really in 11th. Now, this cute senior boy, he got invited to a uh, recruitment presentation for MIT in the city, and he asked me if I wanted to go. That guy knew how to get a date with me. <laughs> uh, now, this, this presentation was at this uh, school in the city, the Oklahoma School of Science and Math. Oh my gosh, this was like Hogwarts to me. You could take anything there. You could take quantum physics, or molecular and cellular biology, or organic chemistry, genetics, anything. And you had to live in the dorms. Didn't sound half bad to me. So please, mom, can I go? Can I please go? Uh, okay, you can apply, and then we'll see. Look, Mom, I got in. Can I please go? Uh, go talk to your father. Dad, can I please go? Go talk to your mom. <laughs> okay, can I just go already? They let me go, but I had to come home every weekend. It was a good deal. So that first weekend, um, they had this welcoming ceremony for all the incoming juniors. Uh, and, and Dr. Roberts, who is the chemistry teacher there, he got up on stage in front of all of us, and he invited up this group of students, the seniors, uh, who were his chemistry warriors, this elite group that he was training for the International Chemistry Olympiad. I wanted to be where they were standing, battle-hardened, armed with the stick of knowledge. Uh, <laughs> And Dr. Roberts, I mean, you have to understand, he's this extremely charismatic, big old bear of a man who is at once challenging and supportive of his warriors. And I wanted to work with him. I wanted to be good enough that he'd choose me. And that first weekend, that was my 16th birthday, so I had to go home, like I went home every weekend. And when I came back, I unpacked my stuff, and my mom had tucked a little note in with my things. And it said simply, you have a big nose. That was what she used to say to me back whenever I was that little girl zipping around the pasture with my uh, Ghostbusters jetpack. Um, 
It had come to mean I love you, but it meant it even harder than I love you could possibly mean it. So I studied and I practiced and I took the ACT and I got a good score and I took the SAT and I got a good score. Both of them were good enough to not just get me into OU, but also to qualify me for a scholarship there. But they weren't perfect either, and I wanted that perfect score. Uh, Dr. Roberts, he did pick me, and he worked with me on the Chemistry Olympiad. And that first year, I missed the training camp by one point, one question out of 100. So I studied harder. Dr. Roberts, perfect practice makes perfect performance. and I started finding new and creative ways to study after lights out. They caught me one night, uh, perched up on the sink in the girls' bathroom with an organic chemistry textbook out, <laughs> and I got a write-up. The next time I thought maybe I'd hide in the stairwell, they caught me there too. They called my mom. She told me to behave. <laughs> and that I had a big nose. And Dr. Roberts, he really took me under his wing. He didn't just work on me with the Chemistry Olympiad, but also on my application to MIT. Um, and we worked hard, perfect practice, it makes perfect performance. My parents also started to prepare. MIT, it's not exactly cheap, you know, so they stopped even getting the newspaper so that they could cut costs. And then, one Thursday, just like any other Thursday, uh, I'm walking back to the dorms, and my girlfriend, Tanya, she's picked up my mail for me, and you can tell from the envelope, it's my SAT scores. And so she's running around, telling everybody, it's Amanda's perfect score. Well, I haven't even opened it yet. Open it, open it, open it. So I grab that envelope, and I run off, and I'm trying to find a private place to open this thing, and the only place I can find is to lock myself in a shower stall in the girls' room, and I open this thing, and it was my perfect score. And I didn't say a word. I just took that thing and slid it under the door, and Tanya runs off screaming. And uh, I get back to my dorm room, and there's a note on it that says, call your mom. But I've got to find Dr. Roberts. I have to tell him about my perfect score. And so I'm running back to the, the school building from the dorms, and I run into him halfway between, and he's got an envelope in his hand, and I'm confused, because they don't tell the teachers your SAT scores, but I'm totally thrilled. And he wraps me up in this big bear hug, and he tells me that me, his warrior, I had gotten a spot on the National Chemistry Olympiad training team. And we do that thing, you know, where you jump around screaming that you totally expect from a teenage girl, but not from a 60-year-old obese bear of a man. <laughs> <laughs> and when we finally calm down enough, I'm like, okay, okay, I have to go call my mom. And, and, and so I get on the phone, and my mom, she tells me that I have a big nose and that I got into MIT. Well, obviously the story doesn't end there. Uh, I did go to MIT, and I did major in aerospace engineering, but I also majored in chemistry, thanks to Dr. Roberts. Uh, I did work at JPL for a while, and now I'm a professor at Georgia Tech, where we build things not just to look for signs of life on Mars, but also in the oceans of the icy moons of Saturn and Jupiter. Dr. Roberts passed away last year, um, and that little girl, with her jetpack. She's still in here. And my mama, she's got the biggest nose.
That was Amanda Stockton. Amanda is an assistant professor in the chemistry and biochemistry department at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Her work walks the line between engineering and science to develop instrumentation capable of looking for organic molecules elsewhere in the solar system. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, Shane Hanlon, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the Atlanta Shakespeare Tavern for hosting the show, to the Atlanta Science Festival for being amazing partners, and to Noses for being big. Thanks for listening. <laughs>